Yes, I love technology, but not as much as you, you see. But I still love technology, always and forever. Let's start the show. Welcome to For the Sake of Phoenix, a podcast by Missio Day Communities where we discuss how a community of God's people can learn to grow in God's ways for the sake of our city. I'm Chris Preby. I'm one of the hosts and one of the pastors of Missio Day Phoenix. We believe the Bible tells one unified story, and it's the true story of the whole world, a story that moves from creation to restoration, where Jesus is the hero and the church is invited to join in his redemptive work. Before I go any further, let me introduce you to my friend, co-pastor, and co-host of the show, Anthony Suarez. You can be known by the creator of the universe and deeply loved. And we as the church are to be an expression of that. We are to be the mediator, the ambassador, the expression of God loving his people. And so now the church is having to navigate, what does that look like in the midst of stay-at-home orders? So we're talking about technology today. I think the tendency, as with a lot of things, is to put something in a category. And usually in conversations like this, when we're talking about how something impacts and has an effect on the church, we have a tendency to put in category of this belongs or doesn't belong, or this is good or this is bad. But the truth is, with most things, There's some creational goodness, and then there's also areas where it's been marred by the effects of a fallen, broken world. So I would love to start with thinking about what are some of the benefits of technology uh, and to the church, but maybe just even to the world in general. What's your favorite piece of technology that you use? That I, uh, let's see, my favorite, like that I use on a daily basis? Yeah. Favorite piece of technology. That you like actually enjoy, not that you use on a daily basis out of habitual (laughs) routine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I just love music. Mm. And so probably my favorite, I usually either stream it through my phone. Uh, Sometimes I'll listen to the, just the general radio, but. I don't like all the commercials. Yeah. So usually I'll just stream it through my phone. Yeah. So there's definitely some good things technology has brought in. Like music used to be, uh, if you wanted to hear music, you had to go to where the music players were. Yeah. You know, you had to find the people who were talented and travel. And and now technology has advanced instrumentation. So more people can play it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, It's advanced the way people have learned. Like you can watch YouTube videos and learn how to play piano mm-hmm. um, and it's also made it more accessible to everybody mm-hmm. so i'd say that's a win in a lot of ways other creational goodness in technology is like medical advancement mm-hmm. transportation yep there's some good and bad in that too but we're, we're focusing on the good right now yeah we couldn't do this podcast and, and people couldn't be listening to it without technology that's true I think you see advances in technology and in education, you know, like um, now there's all these different apps and games online that kids can 
Learn. You got your ABC mouse, you know, like Compass Learning. We've seen now that schools have had to move a lot of their stuff online. Now kids can do a lot of their It's Again, it's not ideal, but in this type of crazy pandemic, Mm -hmm. because of the technology we have, it was kind of a little easier to just transition things to online. Yeah. Yeah, could you imagine doing this even 10 years ago? Having stay-at-home orders would, would look so much different. Yeah. There's definitely ways technology can bring people together in a sense where, you know, so a specific example would be right now, you can't go visit someone in a retirement home. They're on lockdown. Um, but grandma's lonely, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> Um, and that like FaceTime or the zoom call does not make up for that lack of actual real interaction physically, but it, it's better than nothing at all. Mm -hmm. Getting a phone call, um, seeing your face through video chat is definitely better than sitting there completely alone throughout this whole season. So there's some good things. I think about the story of the Bible moving from creation to restoration. It's a story that moves from a garden to a city. Um, when, we, when we get this picture in Revelation 21, 22 of the renewed heavens and earth, it, the earth sounds very similar to how it did in the beginning in the garden when God created it and said it is good. And all the good things are there, but there's more too. It's described as a city, not just a garden. And so Mm -hmm. the story has built into it this idea of a technological advancement, among other things. And God creating humans in his image to be little creators like him, to build things, to make things. And so uh, the wheel was a technological advancement, Mm -hmm. pencils, you know, all, all that stuff. So I think about there's a reality of a creational goodness inside this. And then just like most things humans touch, (laughs) there's some areas of brokenness too. way that you know that line with joseph when god says you know what they intended for harm i intended for good mm-hmm. i think in the opposite way humans have that <laughs> the negative touch of that of like usually things we create that we intended for good also create some kind of harm mm-hmm. you know agent orange chemical warfare was originally invented to be a a biological product that would help plants flourish Mm -hmm. Um, transportation it's awesome that we can drive to san diego 
right? right. It's only five hours instead of stood by a horse and buggy and taking <laughs> yeah. days. Yeah. But um, the negative byproduct of that is pollution. Mm-hmm. I think probably the most apparent one is just like social media. Mm. It's an original intent and creation in being created was to connect people, but it's not deep in the sense of creating relational connection. Mm. I would say some of the more hard, like deep harmful things are how, how it's used to uh, traffic women, mm. how it's used to traffic kids, how it's used to groom uh, young uh, girls and boys um, for exploitation. Um, mm. I mean, that's, that's probably the, the gruesome dark side of a lot of those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pornography on the internet. Pornography. Just the overall addiction to technology. Yeah. Um, just how it, what it does to your brain. Um, it's just like any other addictive drug, mm. you know, and how it rewires your brain. You can't put it down. So, so that can be very harmful in that, you know, if we're addicted to technology, that means at the expense of other relational connections, we're on our phones yeah. or we're on the computer. Mm. But it's so unconscious. It's so just thing, something you pick up now. Like if you're ever now, I mean, if wherever you're at, a bus stop, subway stop, grocery store. Uh, waiting for your car to get fixed, no matter where you're at, if if there's ever a time where you have nothing to do or are bored, instead of creating or reading or doing something, you just pick up your phone mm. and now you're on it. Yeah. Even in line, you know, like it's just, and it's just so natural for people now. Instead of talking to the person behind you or next to you. Yeah, as you're talking, you're reminding me of um, this book I'm reading. It mentions um, these four laws of media that was coined by this guy, Eric McLuhan. And so it's kind of like set up like a grid where there's like two opposites. Um, And so one of the opposites is that media. And when he says media, it doesn't mean like CNN, Fox, like (laughs) who writes the word media today, but technology in a sense. Um, On one hand can retrieve something kind of lost from the past. Um, one example I think of with that is like, you know, archaeological findings or yeah, yeah. like um, even like better translations of the Bible. Right. Uh, as, as we've learned the language, as we studied, as we've dug deeper into the relics and histories, um, there's a sense where, and, and now that that's made available to more people, like Bible um, commentary softwares and things like that. Yeah. Um, so there's a sense where technology can help retrieve something from the past, but the flip side of that, the opposite is it also makes older mediums obsolete. And so it also buries something in the past as well. Uh, but the other one I thought was more interesting. The other set of opposites is that technology can enhance. We talked about a lot of the benefits already of different areas of technology where it can enhance life. Mm-hmm. But the the flip side of that is it can also cause it to revert into itself uh, and have the opposite effect of what it intended. So an example of that would be 
how you're describing with social media. Um, the original intent was to connect people more, mm-hmm. especially who are geographically distant from each other, now feel more connected socially. But the what what it's happened is when it when that technology is pushed to its extreme, according to this law of media, when it's pushed to its extreme, it actually starts to have the reverse effect of what it was intended to have. So when phone the smartphone was first created and now you can have pictures of one another and you can um, access information on the internet through it and you can check your email well that should the intention was this is going to streamline life a little bit it's going to make it more efficient you'll have more time with your family you'll have more time with your friends you'll have more time doing the things you love Uh, and and you'll be able to connect with information and people that would otherwise have been far off from you well now where it's pushed to this extreme where everything happens on this little screen inside your pocket um every not not just communication but entertainment happens on that little device where now you see as you're describing people sitting right next to each other not even looking at each other because they're stuck to their eyes are glued on this little screen this display so it's actually done the opposite of what it originally intended to do of connecting people and it's isolating people and i think that social media has that effect because it gives this illusion of connectivity it gives this illusion of community where you can kind of feel like yeah i've i've scratched that itch but you don't actually have a deep connection you don't get to uh, have those real intimate conversations because it's so quick paced it's read this status update, read this post, look at this Instagram photo and move on. Right. And you're just getting a little, little glimpse into that person's life that could not even be real. You know, a lot of what people post is a, is a facade anyway. So how do we see that at work in the church specifically? And I'm thinking of like ways that the church as a whole has tried to use technology to make things better. And instead, it's kind of had the opposite effect. It's probably more prevalent in bigger churches that have the funds to churches that were already doing their, already streaming their services. I don't know. I, I think with this, uh, my hope is with this pandemic and just the stay-at-home orders and having to do a lot of different, the churches just had to figure out a lot of different ways on how to connect or stay connected with their congregations, with their families, with the people that they lead, the people that they shepherd, um, the kids that they teach, all, all of those different arenas. Uh, my hope is is that we start to get this sense because I've felt this and I know you have felt this of just that, that Zoom meetings and online platforms are not and should not be the primary way of connection mm-hmm. for our people. Yeah. You know, it, it just can't be. And I think, I think in this time it's become more and more apparent 
just the need for actual physical presence mm-hmm. um, and actual physical communication. Yeah. Um, those things just get lost yeah. in the screen. Absolutely. You know? And so my hope is that people get this sense uh, or, or people are starting to understand and get a glimpse of like, man, I need, I need physical relationships. Mm-hmm. I need close, deep, personal interactions with people. Yeah. When I used to travel more often, um, speaking at schools, that there was times I would go on like a two, three week trip. I would FaceTime Bethany and the kids from the hotel. And it was, it was such a good, like it was a gift. I was like, oh man, I'm, this is awesome. Like I get to see them, to see their faces and interact differently than you would on a phone call. And then what I noticed though, is every time I got off of that FaceTime, my heart felt way more empty. Mm. Like I felt, I miss them a lot more than when I got off a phone call even. And so there was something about like seeing this pixelated version of them (laughs) and not being able to actually touch them that made my heart long for that even more. And I think we're experiencing that as a church now. Like when I see people on zoom on Sundays, I'm like, Oh, it's so good to see your face. But I'm, but like inside, I know, I'm not really seeing your face and there's this disconnect there and it makes my heart long even more for being able to hug one another, to sit down at each other's tables and share a meal to um, even just to be able to fist bump and not elbow bump again one day, you know? And I think for a lot of people too, this is true for me. um, And I think for a lot of people, again, like you alluded to earlier, just about, People usually put on their best face on Instagram or this is my best life, you know, <laughs> or on, on Facebook or whatever. And so I think when we're not able to gather physically together, you miss some of that like, hey, hey, how you doing, man? No, no, I can tell by your face mm. you're not doing well. Yeah. You know, like, or I can hear it in your voice yeah. or um, I can see it in your eyes, mm-hmm. you know, whereas like if we're just meeting online in an in a online platform. It's very easy just to put on your best face yeah. or to turn off your video screen. <laughs> right. Right. You, right. So it, you're like, oh, I'm not going to have video up right now because mm-hmm. I'm not doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, you're able to just hide. Yeah. And I think one of the things that uh, technology allows us to do is hide. Mm. telling you about this book I've been reading, actually listening to an audiobook. Um, Thank you, technology. Right? <laughs> it's called Analog Church. So ironically enough, I'm listening to it as an audiobook that well, I'm sure was digitally recorded somewhere. <laughs> but it's by a guy named Jay Kim, and it was just uh, published in March of this year. So super fascinating that what he's writing about The premise of it is how the church has really acquiesced to this technological uh, idol of our culture. So everything's got to be 
big screen, light show uh, up front, like the rest of the room is dim, and your your eyes are forward on the people up on stage. And a lot of times, like the person who's giving the sermon isn't even physically present in a mm-hmm. lot of bigger churches, you know, um, they're at the bigger campus, right? The multi-site thing. Yeah. And then they just stream to the other smaller campuses. Yeah. yeah. And so his, his case is like, this isn't what the church is. It's not what it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. We got to get away from this disembodied type of um, service and move into a real physical present worship which is with our whole bodies and souls and minds, with our whole being. Mm. And that happens a lot of times in physical, real, true community too, um, that we need to get back to what he calls analog church. And people, like real people together, and real people singing together, and real people eating together, and real people praying together, and crying together, and Mm. laughing together, and praising together, and looking at the word together. Um, Mm. in conversation, you know? And so, so ironic that like he writes this, it's published in March and then almost every church is forced to go to this digital Mm -hmm. church, you know, right now. And so I think what's happening though, as I'm listening to it and I'm feeling what we're experiencing, it's just making that more true to me. Mm -hmm. Like, to your point, like my prayer also is people are recognizing during this time we are missing something and mm-hmm. who we're supposed to be as human beings, as a community of people, and especially as a community of God's people. And we need to get back to that. We need to reclaim that and work for it even. And and it's going to be countercultural. It's going to be pushing against the grain of culture to put more of an emphasis on actual real community and not social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to circle back around and just kind of talk about and flesh out. Like you, you mentioned technology as an idol. What is that? Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. How has technology become an idol in our culture? Yeah. Yeah. So just for getting us started on the same page and for everyone listening, like an idol being anything that takes that captures you, your attention, your time, your presence, your focus, your allegiance, your heart, your worship, anything that that captures you and turns you away from placing all that on God who created us, the only one who's worthy of all those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the word worship we get, which often we just attribute to singing the the words worship in our um, English translations, the word that they're coming from was never singing. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's part of it, but it it was always this word that had something to do with falling down and making yourself lower than. And so God's the only one worthy of us to, to do that with. And and also would use words like, uh, you know, Paul says it's in Romans 12 one. He says, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This mm-hmm. is your true spiritual service of worship. And that word body being soma, which was this, not just your flesh, not just your bone, not, you know, it was, it was your whole body and soul, all of you, your whole person. So offering your whole self to God is the truest form of worship. And when we're captured by something else, 
we're giving our time, our attention, our heart, our focus, our energy to something else, we're no longer able to give our full self to God. Mm-hmm. So that thing becomes an idol. And I think the way technology has been an idol, is an idol in our culture, is because we are glued to those screens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, So in, in your personal life, it's how much time I get that weekly screen report on my iPhone. Yeah. Oh, man, it's devastating sometimes. Yeah, I know. It's eye-opening. Like, how much time have I spent this week on this device and not with real people and not with the real God? Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the church even, not just on the individual level, but how how much of our metrics and trying to, like, measure how well we're doing as a church is based on the flashy things like do we have the best show mm-hmm. do we have good music does it sound good because we have the right technology right does it look good when we have the video playing um what's what's the lighting like you know and we put such an emphasis on all these things and not to say that those things have no place or they don't matter because they do but when we elevate it and it's no longer in its right place and it's taking our attention away from god instead of putting it toward him Mm-hmm. then that's idolatry. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to, I tried to explain that to my, to my kids one day we were driving in the car and we were talking just about idols and different idols of our culture. And so I, you know, I basically like explained to them, idols are often something good. Like there's, they're created to be good. Yeah. But we have, we have taken what was created and worshiped it like mm. as instead of the creator. Mm-hmm. So where are we in our lives making this ultimate? This is, you know, technology is what our lives are centered around. I think that's how I explained it to my kids. Whereas our lives should be centered around Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I asked them, like, how have you seen your lives centered around technology? And obviously the first answer was video games. <laughs> you know, it was like, well, we probably play too much video games. So that led into a great conversation of why my wife and I try and really limit that at home. And we're like, yeah, see, that's why we place restrictions on video games Mm -hmm. so that your life does not revolve around technology because now then you're worshiping technology rather than Mm. the creator of it. And we can probably get into this, just some of the tools, um, some of the ways, some of the um, restrictions or boundaries or whatever whatever word you want to use of just helping us limit the time we're on technology in a day. And so like like you said, that screen time app or that the availability on your phone of just tracking how much time you're on your thing, it pops up and says, hey, you've used your time already today. Yeah. And even if I press snooze for the day or snooze for 15 minutes, it's still a reminder of like, hey, dude, yeah, you've already, you've already been on this an hour. You can become more self-aware that way. 
Right. Because like, the thing about our devices is we're staring at an unnatural light and we're sucked into a non-realistic world. Um, even, even looking at social media, again, as we said, like people aren't posting what's real. But video games, like it's it's not a real story, right? Like uh, watching a show, and so we're we're engulfed in this fake world, a virtual world, while staring at unnatural lighting. So there's a physiological and a psychological thing going on to kind of remove you from reality, and really like this disembodied experience. So I do love like tools like that, like the weekly screen report or the the kind of time limit thing you're talking about these technological tools to help kind of suck you back into the real world for a moment like my watch keeps telling me hey it's time to stand up walk around for a bit or i have one on there that just says hey it's time to breathe (laughs) focus on your breathing for the next two minutes which i think is such a great exercise because what's more embodied than the act of, of breathing, right? Like just paying attention to your own breath. And for me, paying attention to who gave me that breath. And so those are great practical tools of technology that kind of fight against the idolatry of technology. There's a real danger of being completely sucked into it mm-hmm. and really isolating ourselves through our technology while we're stuck at home. So we want to just kind of give some tips, some rhythms, some techniques on how to fight against that and how to keep your eyes fixed and focused on the reality of God and his world. I read, or actually I didn't read, I also listened to the audio book of um, a book called TechWise Family yeah. by Andy Crouch. So if you, if you want a, just a great book, and it, it, it's not so much focused on um, tips or tricks or hacks to limit your time on technology, uh, it get, it just starts to address the heart of mm-hmm. uh, just the dangers of technology. Um, and it, it does offer a lot of just practical ways to to fight against this, um, this very real idol in our culture. Yeah. One of the things I think he says in that book is uh, for him and his family, um, the phones go to bed before they do and they wake up before their phones do. Yeah. So just an hour or two hours before they go to sleep, phones are off. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not in the bedroom. Um, they're in a separate place in the house. They're off um, an hour before they go to bed. Mm-hmm. And then when they wake up, it's not an automatic grab your phone, look at the time, then look at the news, and then look at Twitter, and then look at Instagram. It's you're up before your phone wakes up. So you're up. You have your cup of coffee. You have your cup of tea or whatever. And then you can go, you know, get your reading in or yeah. do whatever, you know, a workout in or a run or do something and then grab your phone. Yeah, that's such a great one because you're you're retraining your brain. Right? The, the last thing you do before you go to bed, the first thing you do when you wake up is so instrumental in training your brain and wiring it and how to think and how to respond and how to see things. And there's been studies too about that kind of blue cell phone light that is emitting and how right. it how it keeps you, it keeps the melatonin 
and uh, this is the chemical that affects your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. So it sets off your whole sleep cycle. Like it messes it up completely. Another thing to do to kind of put into practice that could be helpful is you're waking up in the morning. If you're saying I'm not going to get on my phone or any screen right away in the morning, uh, but a great way to start your day is with the word. You're grabbing like a real physical, tangible Bible. Yeah. And I would just encourage keep that up. Mm -hmm. So anytime you're, you're going to get into the word, I know we have these Bible apps and they're great tools and they're super helpful. And I use mine all the time, but uh, maybe a practical thing right now during the season while you're stuck at home is if I'm going to get in the word, I'm going to grab a real physical Bible and I'm going to feel the pages turn between my fingers. Uh, and it just kind of brings us back into this embodied ex experience that our walk with the Lord is our whole body, our whole selves. And it keeps you from the practical distractions that come when you're on your phone on the Bible app. And you get the little Facebook notification that pops up or whatever it might be. Yeah. One of the other ones we do is no media at the eating table. Mm -hmm. So whether that's lunch or dinner. I like the, the table thing, like having a sacred space in your home mm -hmm. where media screens do not touch it. You know, you think about like um, times that in the Old Testament people would see or, or would come in contact with the Lord. And there was this like, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground kind of thing. Like this is a holy ground. This is a sacred space. Remove your shoes, bring, come, come in purity, come clean, come who you are uh, as God made you to be. Um, not with the, the clothes that you had to be clothed in because of the shame that sin brought in, not with the dirt that your shoes have been tracking around all over. So, have a, a sense of that in your home, like create a sacred space in your home where it's like, no, no the, the idolatry of technology cannot touch here. Mm -hmm. And the table is a great spot for that. Um, bedrooms might be a great spot for that, especially that helps protect your kids from looking at things online that they shouldn't be in secret, quiet places where their doors are closed. Right. But it also protects your own bedroom, you know, as an adult uh, and just that space of, I'm not, I'm not going to give my attention here mm -hmm. in this spot. So as we're having this conversation, there's, for me, there's this, there's a lot of like, uh, like just shame and mm. guilt, you know, like present. And so even having this conversation, I, I've even noticed that going on in my own heart as we're talking about these tools and different ways to protect family time and different ways to protect relationship um, and not worship at the idol of technology. For me sitting here, it's like, I'm, I'm doing horrible at this, <laughs> you know, like even, it, uh, two nights ago, uh, my wife's like, Hey, um, 
when I'm talking to you and you have your phone out, mm. I don't know if you're really listening. Mm. And so she's like, if, if I don't know if you're really listening to me, your boys don't know if you're really yeah. listening to them. So if you want to have conversations where your sons are actually listening to you, then you need to put your phone away so they know you're actually listening to them. Wow. And I was like, mic drop. Dang. <laughs> I've had that uh, conversation with my wife as well. Well, let me rephrase that. My wife has had that conversation with me <laughs> yeah, as well. I was like, well. dang, you had to call uh, your wife like that. No. My <laughs> wife has had that conversation with me. <laughs> yeah, but it was so like, it was one of those eye-opening, where you know, because the tendency with idols, a lot of times we don't know that they're idols in our life until someone points them out. Right. So my wife did that for me in, in such a sweet, gentle, gracious way where it wasn't shaming or condemning or like, you're such a jerk. Like, are you even listening to me? So, and that was, that was two nights ago. And so it's, it's, for me, it was kind of this awareness, like, okay, like knowing we were having this conversation Mm -hmm. today, I'm like, man, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm adequately, uh, I don't know if I'm the best person to have this conversation (laughs) with, because I don't have a lot of these protections or, so all that to say is I like, we can offer all the practical tools in here. We, and this isn't. This conversation, I hope, is uh, maybe shed some light on some areas or shed some light on where your life revolves around the idol of technology, but hopefully not in a shameful way where you're saying, man, I suck. I'm horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if we operate out of that place, one, we can even go, we can go to a place where it's like, uh, it's too overwhelming. I can't do this. So I'm just not going to do it. Um, you know, when we see our own sin, sometimes we're just like, man, I, I can't. It's too overwhelming. Like, this is, this is too much. I, I can't fix that. I can't overcome that. Which is a good, healthy place to be hmm. because we can't do that on our own. Right. Right. That's where the gospel comes in and says, that's where Jesus says, like, yes, yes, you're right where I want you. <laughs> you're right. You can't do this on your own. Yeah. You Bless can't fix this. the spirit. Yeah, you yourself, all the boundaries you, you put in place cannot fix this. Right. Only my spirit can, can change that in your heart. Yeah. Only the work of my spirit working in and through you can change that in your heart. And so I think we need to remember this is a heart issue, mm-hmm. not just a behavior issue. Mm-hmm. If we operate out of a place um, of shame and fear, it, We'll, we will just try and fix the behavior instead of addressing the heart, right? And so when, by God's grace, we're illuminated to just see that sin and how it's affecting other people, then at that point, I pray that our, our, our first response would be one repentance, mm. saying, God, Thank you for revealing this sin in my life. Thank you for revealing this sin in my heart. And then asking for forgiveness in that. And being restored to right relationship with him. And with our friends and our families and our spouses and our kids and our roommates or whoever it's affecting, you know. And so that's the beauty of the gospel is that we don't have to fix this by his death and resurrection we can have new life. Our hearts can be fixed. Our hearts can be made new. 
even in the midst of this dark world, even in the midst of all of these idols and worship of created things, we can have new life. We can experience and taste of that, like you said, of that new city that's coming one day where God is going to restore and reconcile all things. We can have a taste of that now through his spirit working in us. God, through his spirit, can change our heart. And then out of that, our behavior will change, right? There does need to be behavior change. Mm-hmm. There, like with technology, I do need to set some of these boundaries up. I do need to change my behavior and how I interact with technology. But it can't come out of a place of shame and guilt and fear. Right. It has to come out of a place of, no, I want to worship the creator. Mm-hmm. Because that is so much better than worshiping this idol. And that's your mic drop, Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Use these tools in a way that they are helpful to point you to the good news we have in Jesus and to our good creator of all mm. things, but not in a way where they take your eyes off of him and put them on shame. It's not about modifying your behavior, but about looking to the one who wants your heart, who's created you and who loves you. And you thought that you weren't the person to talk about this because uh, you weren't doing it perfectly. But the reality is that's exactly why you were the person to talk about this Mm -hmm. because God is at work in you and because you see your need for him. And that's what we all need to hear. Next week, we're going to talk about stay home or start up. There's becoming this real division on stay put, stay home, or the opinions and views of, no, we need to start things back up for the sake of our economy, for the sake of relationships, for the sake of others. Views that are causing real division in our communities, in our cities. So how does the church navigate, operate within, and come alongside people in these different views?